0: the gentleman and we sat here on a tuesday night uh recording a podcast that i don't think anyone expected to be recording anytime soon it's a bit of a four blades in the pub one-off special here i'm john i'm joined by phil good evening phil hello ian good evening dan evening everyone who we're lucky to have joining us despite being on Radio Sheffield and Look North in recent times. And we're here to discuss, obviously, the departure of, um, in some people's eyes, the greatest manager to ever manage Sheffield United. But in all our eyes, um, a manager that's overseen this podcast um, becoming a thing and a lot of these friendships on this on this podcast being forged. It was a really, really strange... Um, strange number of days over the weekend and we were keen to give it a number of days before we we actually reacted to it um and we i think it's only right that we we start by talking about how we felt on friday so phil when the news filtered through to you what was your gut reaction uh
1: my initial so i I first saw it um someone that's relatively in the know put a a message on a WhatsApp group saying along the lines of "no more details," but I can guarantee Wilder's gone. And my initial reaction was that of a lack of surprise. Um, I, I think that it it felt like it had been coming. Timing, I guess, you could argue is a bit odd, but in 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 reality, maybe it's actually not that. Odd when you think about where we are what's coming up what chances we've now got of staying up with the amount of games left it just kind of felt like it was coming to an end anyway and and the timing is what it is nothing's going to change between now and the end of the season and it was unlikely I think he was going to be there next year based on what we've heard and read over the last few weeks yeah
0: Ian I'm
2: I'm, I'm kind of with, with filling in the respect of it's been coming, and I think, you know, things we've heard between us all and, and, you know, conversations that have been had and things like that all point to this coming to a head, and it's been clear for some time in Wilder's um, press interviews, you know, the things he said were never going to go down well, and we're always going to bring things to a head. I think, surprised it's been brought to a head now, I was, I was kind of surprised, and then I guess over the course of the following 36 hours or so, quite angry, angry at the club's handling of it, the failure to communicate. And I appreciate the, uh, there's probably non-disclosure agreements, there's, there's confidentiality clauses and everything else to be sorted out. But for it to escape the way it did into the press and not be... Managed by the club is probably symptomatic of several things we've seen recently with the club and you know, be it team news or whatever, getting out ahead of uh, you know, it's there's clearly there's clearly like a calendar behind the scenes at the lane with, with stuff getting out. And it, I, I don't think that helps my feeling about it all because it just gave me a growing resentment of how badly managed and embarrassing it was,
3: Dan. I mean, I think we we spoke about it on air two or three weeks ago. Where we, where I think I said that I didn't expect him to be here next season. You know, I thought that the writing was on the wall; it was coming, um, but I didn't expect it to almost happen over the space of 24 hours, 40 hours. I assumed it would happen towards the end of the season. You know, once we were either mathematically relegated or when the the, ball, the the whistle was blown against Burnley, that that would be when it would happen. It's, it makes me think that something has changed. It, it, this can't have been the plan for the last few weeks to, to, to get rid of him the day before a match. It makes me think that something had happened in that 24, 48-hour period before Friday morning that suddenly made a relationship that was strained turn into a relationship that could go no further. It, it's just the, the timing's odd
1: for me. I, I, think, I, I suspect the decision was made... Oh, obviously, Friday was when we kind of started getting wind of it Friday morning. I suspect the decision was probably made. We played Sunday, didn't we, Southampton? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would imagine that something happened after that. And it it was a, a few days kind of stewing on until it got to a point of enough's enough from whichever direction. And, and we'll probably come on to it a little bit later. I, I, I don't think there's. I don't think there's one single person that's to blame for this, but I, I think you're right, Dan. I think something has changed, but I, it just it, it didn't it just didn't surprise me. One thing that I did notice, and I don't know whether this is just me um, thinking something's there after the event, kind of thing, but over the last couple of weeks, we've seen this hashtag must stay floating about everywhere. Yeah, and that stopped didn't stop Friday when this looked like it was done. Di- a done deal, I don't think I saw it at all last week. Right, no, okay, I, yeah, I've not noticed that. Notice the hashtag, but I've not noticed it. So it almost makes me wonder whether the decision had been made before then.
0: My, uh, yeah, well, yeah, my, my, my gut reaction as a, as somebody whose job is surrounded by hundreds of people who have strong opinions on a lot of things, particularly football, from about half past 10, I had to face the question, what do you think about Wilder? Have you heard the news? I don't know if I find the colleagues asking me it, whose football opinions I'd care little for or 12-year-olds. I don't know which one um, got off my nerves the most. But like, it reminded me in a very, very perverse way of when... When the news about Ched Evans going to prison came down, and for some reason, everybody, even people I haven't spoken to for six months, wanted to know my opinion on it. And I think it's because from the outside, it seems like such a foolish move in many people's eyes. And that narrative continued over the weekend. But I echo the thoughts of all three of you that it didn't come as a surprise, and then the, my emotions did like I wasn't ever in shock. My emotions then went to one of real frustration and anger because of, as Ian touched on, the way it was dealt with by the club and then by the reaction of, and rightfully so, entitled to it, some of our supporters coming out with things such as they would be boycotting the match and all this sort of stuff. And like, there's always, and I think Twitter is obviously, it polarises things and that's always going to happen, but... It went from very much not surprised but a bit disappointed to how angry I was about the way the situation had been handled. And we talk about the fact that there was a game on Sunday and we're not going to talk about the match at any length, but that was whatever had gone off at the back end of last week to lead to the sacking had clearly had an effect on ultimately a Premier League football team turning up to play another Premier League football team who were embarrassed. I, just on that, I thought it was
2: interesting. I don't know if you saw Match of the Day two on Sunday night, and I, I, I wasn't going to put myself through it, but I was interested in their take on Wilder, and it was Jermaine Genus um, and Martin Keown, and together before they went in, they did the kind of comment on Leicester, and he says, "Right, before we start in United, Jermaine said, Martin and I have discussed this beforehand, and we're not going to go in on that performance." Because we know, as players, how that feels when something—the heart has been ripped out of your club. That the, the manager that's taken a lot of you on that journey and is everything about that club has gone. Those players were going to be affected, today, so I'm not going to. We're not going to lay into the failings of that performance because actually we kind of understand where that performance comes from. And I thought that was quite an interesting angle because I think I was really angry and frustrated with the performance on Sunday. And what I say, we're not talking about the match. But I thought it was interesting that ex-players were talking about the impact that can have on the mentality and the feeling of the players.
1: Oh, yeah, only that is. Jermaine G played in the same team as Jamie Alvara, and he had the exact opposite opinion. Yeah, and that, that's you know.
0: I was relieved that Martin Keown was able to make sense of something. It's something that seems to escape him every other time he speaks. But in, in <laughs> a lot of but in like that's all well and good. And we can talk about how extreme it is, but it goes down to not so much necessary from Friday and over the weekend, but this this entire thing, which has led led to where we are now without a manager and lacking a direction. And we'll talk about what direction might might come in in, in a short while, I'm sure. But it just shows how the entire thing has been handled terribly by the club on of the one hand but also by the man who's unfortunately no longer working for the club to a degree as well you could argue when we talked about the tone of interviews and things like that and I just wonder if you talked about what's changed Phil I don't know if anyone wonders if conversations had shifted to the summer and next season and I'm thinking back to Wilder's comments about as long as they stick to the model <laughs>
3: the way i the way i look at it you know the old saying that if you drop a frog in boiling water it'll drop straight out if you drop a frog if you put a frog in cold water and boil the water around it it will sit and boil to death looking at this with hindsight it almost feels like about two or three years ago we were saying everything with the club's right the social media things were right transfers are right everyone was together Looking at this now a little bit objectively with a bit of a cool head, you know, three or four days on, you could almost see this coming. You could almost see that things have not been done right for a while. And, and that's a lot of things. That's that's transfers and news coming out of the club. Like you said, there was the thing last season where the team was getting leaked on, on Twitter and on social media beforehand. The transfer policy seems to have been a little bit all over the place. We want Neil Mopai. He's five foot nine. We can't get him. Fuck we'll get Ollie McBurney, six foot three, completely different players. There just seems to be a lack... Of, and we've probably not seen it because we were kind of in that bubble of fifth in the Premier League and everything was going great. But when you actually... If, if we'd have scratched beneath the surface, which no one would have expected us to do, and looked at this a little bit more forensically, you're possibly seeing that maybe things weren't as... weren't as peachy as they actually appeared on the outside. Well, I, this is part of... Um my my thinking
1: about this from, from almost from the outset this is the best way that this could have ended for Chris Wilder. Because he leaves the club a hero um because of the way it's happened.
3: And Martyr. Some may say some might say Martyr.
1: Yeah. Well I wasn't gonna go down that route but you said it so yeah I'll agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> it it feels like over the last sort of month, maybe even longer, that this is the conclusion that Wilder expected to happen. And he's wanted, it's probably the wrong word, because I don't think he ever wanted to not be Sheffield United manager anymore, but he wanted to be Sheffield United manager under his terms and that wasn't going to happen anymore. So a a way of getting out without losing the support of the fans has got to have been a, a, a... a thought of his to how that can happen and I'm not saying he's engineered it for it to come about the way it has or anything like that because I'm sure it'll be hurting him as much but I just think that this is the best way it could have ended for Chris Wilder for us as fans to remember him for what he's given us for five years or four and a bit years for him to not be leaving under a cloud he's not been sacked he's not had the fans turn on him really despite the season we've had Next season, if he was still in charge, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, if after 10 games we were anything less than third or fourth, he'd be getting criticism, and a lot of it as well. I
0: think Thank that's... You. Oh, sorry, Ian. Go on, John. No, I think, Phil, um, it's, it's, sort of, it's sort of a weird situation where you've got... You say about somebody wanting to, you know, the ending in a favorable way for somebody like it's almost you know the the murmurings that have come out from Wilder in interviews have highlighted problems that I mean we've all probably heard similar like rants in leaving speeches at work you know sort of oh well you know them in accounts they let you down and, and it like we, we've talked about how they don't spend any of, accounts sorry not accounts them in hr hr yeah but hey last that works in account. hr uh but, no in all seriousness like <laughs> right, it's you know it's <laughs> it, it's lots of lots of like silly murmurings like of discontent but then done in the safe space of Interviews on the club's official media channels and things like that. Now, in the Premier League, it's very hard to hide as a manager. But the amount of goodwill that Wilder has within the United fan base is only mirrored in national press and media coverage. The Genes comments. I mean, Jamie O'Hara, he said that on TalkSport. Are you surprised? I'm not. But like, you know, if you go round, if you go round the media outlets, the general narrative is Wilder. Is done a fantastic job. He's a he's a relatively young, he's a relatively young British manager. He's got still got lots left at the tank. We should get behind him. It's shocking that he's replaced. He's going to and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Now that's all well and good for him. It makes United look stupid. It makes United's stock incredibly poor. Now if you're going to align this to clubs who have dismissed money. you Clubs who've gone down dramatically from the Premier League. Derby never recovered from it. Look at Sunderland and how much money and how many established managers went through the door there they've still not got it right. they probably just got one that might get them back to the Championship. And you look at clubs like that where, look at Villa when they went down. How many times did they get close before they even came close to getting back? but these are like Sunderland and Villa and Derby to them, maybe, if not similar, the clubs that rely on uh, bigger clubs. We look ridiculously stupid and our stock in terms of an appeal. Now as a blade, I could sell the club to anyone, or at least attempt to. But when you see it being dealt with, and part of the reason the manager managed to position himself in a way upon the exit to look, relatively he, he's not he, he has to an extent thrown the toys out of the palm, But he's not kicked off majorly I think like you say he leaves us in a good position and unfortunately and I don't know if it was his intentions I don't think it is but his beloved blades are in a very bad situation because of the terms of his departure
3: it's not, it's not exactly. just the terms of his. It's not just terms of his departure. I, I listened to Blades Pod this evening while I was walking the dog, and and Andrew kind of made a really good point, saying, as as good as it's been, the fact that Wilder's fingerprints have been on everything. It's actually left us. The fact that he leaves now, whether he left, whether he left because he was sacked, whether he left because he got poached by Man United, either way, at some stage he was going to leave. And if you've got one bloke in in any organisation that is key to everything and he leaves, that that puts you in, a, in an awkward position because you've then, it's a big void to fill. You know, if, if you spread that work out and you've got people who can cover, it's it's suddenly, it's it's not just big shoes to fill. It's it's an almost impossible job.
2: And in football, you haven't got a key man risk insurance. You can't, you you've got no backup because yeah. like you said, as, as, as soon as that's gone, I, I, I think back to a comment, uh, you, you've made before on the pod, Dan, and it was months ago. But you're making that point about regressing back to the mean for some of these players that you can only get this from the so long. And I know when I did like the pre-prediction um, for the when Saturday comes magazine previously this summer, I didn't see us going down. I didn't see us being as high as last season, but I certainly didn't see us struggling despite the run of form at the end of last season. I thought there's a point where we've just tired. We've not got back into it, but we'll be we'll be fine. We've got enough about us. We've learned from it and. But we haven't this season. And I think that the big elephant in the room at the minute with Blaze fans is, and we've kind of touched on it already, is how culpable Chris Wilder is in this. You know, he was the key man miss we had. Things haven't worked out transfer-wise. Now, you might read things that say he got his targets or he didn't get his targets. And whether they were his targets that weren't got or the club's targets, if you believe, Um, some tweets from, you know, people who've been previously associated with the club, whatever. But things haven't worked and things tactically haven't worked. And there's there's been mistakes. Let's, you know We shouldn't hide the fact that it hasn't been the best season on a personal level for it, I don't think, regardless of the situation. That's not to say that I don't respect value, think he's probably still the best manager we've had in my lifetime. But equally, that ability to escape that, with reputation intact and everything else leaves him well placed. Like you say, it just leaves us See, looking like
1: the idiots. The about how it leaves us so, the, the, point, the point I was making, and, and I kind of stopped halfway through it deliberately, but it's twofold. It could end up, and it's a massive, massive could end up being the best thing that could happen for United long term because of everything that we've just said we can't go on forever with one man pulling the strings for everything. We just can't. It doesn't. Football doesn't work like that, especially at the top level anymore. And um, Dan, you talk about some of the points Andrew made on, on Blade's pod yesterday and it's an incredibly good pod to listen to. I think they've done a really good job and the way they've held, handled it has been really sensitive. Andrew talks about Norwich as the model and um, people talk about let's do the Norwich thing and keep as manager and come straight back up. Well, actually... What we're doing is what Norwich did. Norwich went down with a manager that had been there for a while, tried coming back up, failed. They actually went back down. Did they go back down again? I think they did at one point, didn't they? Took a bit of time the, getting back they've up. They've yo-yoed a lot. Yeah. They've yo-yoed a little bit since. But what they've done under Farka is they've got a manager in there that they're now comfortable with the setup of the club and the, the the manager or the coach, as he actually is, is almost dispensable because yeah. they could put somebody else in to do that. And if you remember at the end of last season, and they got mocked for it, a lot of Norwich fans were saying we're in a better position than you. Despite getting relegated, they were making the claim that they were in a better position than us,
3: and they got belittled and laughed at. And look at the difference now. Yeah, and it, and it is like you said, Farker could leave tomorrow the infrastructures in place for another coach to come in and if that coach doesn't work out they can bring another coach in and what, they're, what they're not getting is they're not getting like if we were to let's say we were to take Tony Pulis on God God forbid but we were to take Tony Pulis on and he comes in and says I can't work with these I need a load of 6 foot 5 athletes who can just get up and down and play the long ball we spend a load of money on them he then leaves and another manager comes in, Eddie Howe, and he wants a load of ball players. You end up just having this massive overhaul of players every 18 months. Whereas with Norwich and, and other teams like that, you, you bring the coaching to suit the players you've got, the model you've got, the transfer model you've got, and it gives you that continuity. So you never you never risk in losing a manager either being sacked or being poached by someone else. It, it shouldn't have that big a
0: detriment to the, the running of the club. I think it's... I think that... That is, I think the Norwich. You talk about the Norwich model, a similar model which maybe wouldn't work because I think there'd be too much frustration every time a decent player went. Is obviously the ultimate director of football setup is to invest heavily in the scouting network, like like Brentford do, and bring in players that you know are not going to get a chance, but have that that raw talent. But they, obviously, at Brentford now. That's not done on scouting, John. That's done on numbers. Well, that's it's it's performance analysis, which feeds into scouting, isn't it? It's the same. It's it's muddy ball in the the traditional sense, isn't it? But what I'm saying is a model like that, where 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 your recruitment actually has, you know, you know, it's not square pegs in round holes. You don't end up with Keen Bryan, Jack Robinson, etc., to play in Jack O'Connell's position. You end up with somebody who's had touches in the opposition area, somebody who's you know, conversions across that that becomes more of it rather than actually you can play on the left-hand side of the back three and he is he's, he's a decent defender. We can coach him. Now, I don't know, I I don't know what the, the ultimate model is, but I think a big frustration in in what's happened over the last 18, not 18, 12 months, 14 months. We stood at Crystal Palace. Sander is over in front of France. We've signed a relative megastar. People are now going, well, in the summer, if we get in Europe, we'll sign Dean Henderson and who else will come in? And you actually think we've got a manager. And I know we say under the cracks, this may have been there and we didn't look at it like that. But if you want to spin it and think, actually, things had turned out differently and did not been COVID and things, we finish in Europe, we do sign Dean Henderson, we sign some other quality players... Like the club a year ago felt so connected, and we didn't. Even if there were murmurs of, there wasn't even murmurs of felt. Wilder and Prince Abdullah having a walk in, in some forest somewhere. Well, came on Twitter. I, there have been mur- there have been murmurs, aren't there?
3: Because I mean, let's be fair. Wilder's again. This this is uh, absolutely not to denigrate anything he's done. I, I think getting rid of him is, is the wrong decision. Uh, as we stand now, I think that there needed to be a change in how we do things. But let's be Fair, he's thrown his toys out at Pram on almost an annual basis since he's been here, and he's done it at other clubs as well. So, but the, the, the relationship, I don't think was ever. I don't think it was ever absolutely rock solid, was it from minute one in the championship?
1: I think it's Wilder's fault, by the way. That that could have been the cool. the, the the relationship could have been with the Prince.
0: A- absolutely, yeah, yeah. But I was thinking, I, I but I'm thinking literally. I'm thinking back. The, the example I'm using is 14 months ago, on the 1st of February, Sandberg has just signed, we've just won at Palace, one of the worst games of football I've ever attended. And you know, it. things just seem like, we talk about models and stuff, we've gone almost in a similar way to getting into the championship, being at the top of the championship, having his playmaker injured, but then the next year getting promoted. We were just progressing at a rate that, if we had gotten in Europe and stuff, I don't think anyone would be like, "Well, let's think about some succession planning." And it might have then been that it we would have fallen apart like Ipswich when they got into Europe. I think that was a similar trajectory when they had Marcus Stewart scored twenty odd goals in all competitions that season in the in the top flight. But you know what I'm trying to say is this is this probably adds as well to why people are so baffled at where we are now. Because it's going from that, whether it was a castle built on sand or not, I mean, Dan, your point's right. The annual transfer window, Mardi, Tyler Smith's on the bench after the whole away game that time, et cetera, et cetera. But like, it, it, and this is why I think so, people are so like passionate about it, because they actually had a taste of something that they probably know deep down they're never going to get again flirting with Europe but also passionate about it because they don't want a. So it's not very exciting to say Oh, I support a really well-run club and we've got a very good infrastructure based on the quality technical players coming out of Holland and Belgium almost sounds like something from um, from like a cartoon about a well-run you know what I mean I, I, I think we were at a place and now we're going to go somewhere very different and I think that's what a lot of people's frustrations born out of
1: I think one of the points you make there is really relevant. And I I tweeted about it the other day, that connection that we've had this last five years. I mean, Ian and Dan, you've followed United longer than I have. I've never experienced that. Even under Warnock, i never experienced that kind of connection, that closeness to the fans, the the feeling that at one point we got an owner, a captain, a manager, we're all Chef United fans. It, It, I just don't think that connection will ever be that close ever again. And that's the big bit to me that hurts, that we've lost, that I don't think we'll ever replace. But-
2: I, I think I think under Bassett, there was I was probably that little bit too young to be, I was what, 15, 16, 17. So I think for those slightly older under Bassett, there was that connection, albeit it was never, like you say, of owner, manager, player. But there was something about the club at that time, that togetherness point, I think, was key and yeah I, go, I was going away and at home at that point but a season ticket at home and going away but probably too young to fully make that connection I loved it but you know I would have appreciated it being 5-10 years older I think Yeah. but you right. Know, I think there was an interesting point someone one of my colleagues at work said to me today was he said his dad turned around to him and said "Oh, I'm 60 he says, it's, these kind of things come up every thirty years at United. So, you know, every 20-30 years, I could be dead by the time this comes out of again. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm 40, 46, forty-six now. I could be. You know, it's it, it is a, it feels like that I've had my two shots at it. Maybe like but, a generational
3: thing, like like a once yeah. in a generation thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You almost don't as well. You you don't. I don't think you realize how good it is whilst it's happening, necessarily either. Uh, because you know you can have you can support a football club who's a lot less successful than us, and still have a deep connection to the club, a deep connection to the players and things like that. Who um, is it who stayed until they got relegated? Like Ipswich had been in the second tier for the longest period without being in another league, haven't they? all did yeah, it was Ipswich? Yeah, and and you know you talk about a club like that, but they've they've been in you know, Europe and stuff like that that we've never. <laughs> We've never experienced. And I just think like I wanted to use that example about where where we nearly were, because I do think it is such an important factor in why people are so passionate about it. And almost the blind faith that Wilder would just sort it out eventually. Now he might do, but the suggestion for what Wilder needed to fix these problems was another pile of money. Ultimately, we—I'd agree that we—we we, we all agreed we needed to refresh the squad, and to do that, it costs money. So, is the do you think that the finances with sustaining a sort of title charge next season? Because he wasn't just talking about, "I'll keep these players a few loans, we'll be fine." I think he wanted to bring in some other bodies. Do you think that was them just saying, "Well, that's not going to happen," and that's what the tension that led to this was? I don't think he did. If
3: everything I've read suggests that he wanted to keep the squad together and add two or three good quality Premier League loans, like a you know, like a Dean Henderson level loan next season, two or three of them, and I think he thought that'd be enough. I think what it hinged on was keeping hold of the players, that seemed to be what, what was the crux of it. You know, I, get, you know, I would imagine there'll be bids in for two or three of our players at the end of the season. I think he was hoping that we could keep hold of them and and kick on from there. Um,
2: I, think, I think the danger is, there's, there's, there's a couple of things at play as well. I think there's this expectation, and rightly or wrongly, that when someone buys a football club, they're going to put in their hand in the pocket and fund it and make the best of it. And I think it's become apparent that the Prince isn't doing that. In that he's, you know, the money we're spending is money that's been generated by the club. I think the other side of it is Wilder's touched as well about, I think the academy was a big part of that and getting the academy fixed up. And, you know, uh, I've read things this, you know, you see things in, in message and stuff about burger rehabilitating outside the club and things like that because of the facilities. Don't know if that's true or not, but you, these things all seem to spin out at this, this kind of time. But fundamentally, he's talked about the need for, in an academy, we screwed, there was the footage of them all up at um, Lightwood, Um up at Norton, looking at the site there yeah. for whatever one point, and nothing's happened. The were and, weren't they, yeah. for the first team. Building building. Now, I, I, get, I get COVID, I get COVID as an impact, you know, as an impact on any business financially. You readjust, you, you, your spend is limited in some ways, you know, depending on what you do, you don't, you can't do some of the things you'd normally do, and ultimately, you know, United have lost, a a, a, not a major income stream, but we've lost an income stream of gate money and and commercial that's probably 20 million million a year. So if there's no one putting that money in beyond what we're generating, that's 20 million less this season, probably half of that last season missing again. You know, I think I'm not sticking up for the Prince and and anything here. that You know, he's the only, he'll do what he wants. We can't influence that. And I think there's a lot of anti-Board, anti-Prince sentiment at the minute around. You know, we got I, we got any a tweet from someone saying, "Can you? You know, we really want you to push this agenda. He needs to be challenged about I'm not sure what that's going to do. We are where we are. He's not. He's not going to bugger off. You know, he's he's not going to leave at this moment in time. We have to accept that we're in a situation where the finances aren't what people might want them to be.
0: And And in light light of that, Ian, at the end of the day, this is a Sheffield United podcast to primarily talk about Sheffield United. And yeah, on this occasion, we're we're taking time to discuss a manager leaving and heaven forbid, looking at some of the names that we've been linked with. I don't think some of those, if they were appointed manager and then ultimately got psyched to be afforded the same uh, airtime from this. But it's not about, this is a discussion, an open discussion about how we've ended up in this place. And I feel like, it's very easy to try to push an agenda about this has happened and it's all unfair. Now, lots of things have obviously come together at the same time to get us to this to this stage. And you talk, you you're the first one actually Dan that said it um, in, in, on this pod. You said a few minutes ago. You said I don't think he should have been sacked at the moment, despite things needing to change. And I think that's a viewpoint we all share. And I was just wondering if anyone's a, talked about our raw emotions and we've gone off on various tangents did any of you experience a sort of change in your emotions from Friday morning to where we are now
2: I've gone to acceptance and it probably comes through what I've just said in that I might not like where we are now, I might not like the fact that Chris Wilder is no longer our manager I might be fearful about what the future holds for the club and who's going to fill those shoes but there's sod all we can do about it. Genuinely, you know, it, you're not going to change a Saudi prince's mind. <laughs> Wilder's obviously tried over a period of time and failed. We're not going to we're not going to change that view as a fan base, I don't believe, and that's not a, a lack of willingness or fact. But you just sometimes it's football, and we've just got to look and try and move on and continue to back support the, the club we do. Um, but that's just me.
1: I'm I'm in a similar place here, and I think some of the things and and some of the people firing abuse at people at the club, it just they're not even going to read it. All it's going to do is wind you up for sending the stuff in the first place. So just there's no point. There's no point being that angry about it. I appreciate people have got to get to a place where they accept it ultimately, but you can't change it. You're not going to change what's happened. Um. I, I I think despite the fact kind of almost expecting it and not being surprised when it happened, I've kind of dealt with it all quite calmly, I think, I just every so often. It's just a little bit of a tinge of sorrow about what we've experienced for the last four years and some of the friendships that we've formed and some of the um, things that we've seen and the places we've been to. I don't see it happening again sometime soon. And that's the sadness that comes out of it. But ultimately, I've accepted the plight. We are where we are. We can't do anything about it. And in all honesty, nobody knows what's going to happen a year from now. A year from now, we could have got a manager that none of us like when he's appointed and be top of the championship.
3: We could also be bottom. Southampton were in a not 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 the same situation, but obviously they had a, a similar sort of meteoric rise to us under Adkins. He took them from the third to the Championship to the Premier League, established them there, and they obviously they got rid of him. And the Southampton fans were absolutely up in arms. This is disgraceful. This is this is and they appointed Pochettino. No, I'm not saying we're going to do that. But what I'm saying is, while we're while you know while we're disappointed, it's come to this, and while. Like I said, while we all wanted Wilder to stay, and we wanted the, him and the Prince to work the differences out, because you know I think going forward, had they worked the differences out, we could have, you know, we could have established re-established ourselves. Like you just said, Phil, no one knows what's going to happen. We could, we could appoint a manager, like you said, that no one's heard of, that no one fancies. They could be the one that, that, that kind of turns it. You know, they could be the next big managerial thing. They could be the. Next big thing out of Europe or South America or wherever it is, and it's while we're annoyed, we're all Sheffield United fans here. Like I said, we're, we're Chris Wilder fans, and he's done well for us. But I don't know. I know of at least two of us on here that have got Sheffield United tattoos. I don't know any of us that have got Chris Wilder tattoos, and I know that's a it's, that's a fairly you know that's a fairly there'll
0: be blades out there to have.
3: You are. There'll be blades out there that have. I can yeah, possibly it. is.
0: Yeah, the And, and good go luck to it. Look I know that's a fairly
3: basic way of looking at it, but what, what I'm saying is, you know, the, the club, the club like Wilder said this himself, the club will be here long after he's gone after the Prince has gone after after the four of us have gone. The club will be here long after we've all gone. And, and this is the this is the bigger thing. And what I don't what I you know, I've seen people talking about are we singing Chrissy Wilder's red and white army first first home game next season? Well I, well, I see the sentiment and I, and I get the sentiment and we, because we've not had a chance to give him a send-off. I'm not sure what good that's going to do anyone. You know, there'll, there'll be some players there who won't have any connection to Wilder. There'll be a new manager, a new coaching team in the dugout. <laughs> I'm not sure what good that would do anyone. Would you sing it?
0: <laughs> no.
3: I think well,
1: I, I i think that's for that's the first sure game, I For the first game, as a... He'll it, it, get to see it, whether it's on social media through friends of his, or whether it's it, that he's actually in the ground as a fan. He'll see it, and it'd be nice just to have that once for one game. Gone. I, 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 I'd get before the sentiment
2: it, before kickoff. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, once you know, to me, it's about giving him that message in a way when we, that we haven't been able to do now. But ultimately, once that team step onto that pitch for that first home game next season it's not his team anymore we've got to get behind that team and that management team there yeah. and I don't think a no way to do it so I, I get I, I agree I would probably sing it but I'd want to be doing it in that moments before the team come out and get that across loud and clear but we've got to then move on and get behind what's there then otherwise we're just looking back to the past and as a fan base over the years we've looked backwards far too much, I think. And and I'm guilty of that. I I love remembering old games and, you know, I've written about it. I love that memory aspect, but we are guilty, I think, as a fan base of doing that too much. And to me, that's the kind of do it. He cut it off but we've got to get behind because ultimately we've got to get back to where we' were.
1: we're part of the reason we got to where we are the fans being as close to the club and getting behind them the way that we did are part of the reason we got to where we are and we need to be part of the journey going forward
3: not and that, and that's the thing if if, if next season is is it it's, is it it's toxic best which it can be we've all seen it we, we've all seen it you know when there's been a few thousand then it's been a horrible place for, for United to play under. Fair enough under some under some awful managers and some awful players that's only going to exacerbate an already poor situation like you said people have got to put and i get there'll be there'll be some of wilder's friends there who, who who just can't get used to not seeing them in the dugout i completely get that we've got to put that behind us next season and we've got to get behind the team get behind the players get behind the new manager and even get behind the prince and until he might not have done he may have made mistakes, but he's not not the Prince has not actually done anything horrifically wrong, as he? He's not done a he's not done a Charles Green and sold our two best players on transfer deadline day. He's not done a Reg Brilly and been trying to flog players to Wednesday and Leeds behind our backs. He's not you know, he's not been disappeared to outback of Australia like Paul wallhouse. He's not he's not done anything terrible. He's just He's not very wealthy. He's not very wealthy. We, we've managed to find the only Saudi prince with a fucking bright house account. So, you know.
2: <laughs> that's the launch quote for the pod.
3: <laughs> but in, in, as much as as much as people's bloods up at the minute about him, he's not. He's got a he's got a vision for the club and the way he wants to run the club. and That's his prerogative. He's not done anything wrong. He's not. There's there's been far worse chairman at United, there's been far worse chairman in the game. Fair enough, if if in two years' time he's sold off every asset and he's not spent any money, he's just taking money out of the club, then that's fair enough. But at the minute, I think we have to have this little period of grieving, we have our our few weeks in sackcloth and ashes,
0: and then we need to move on. Mm. I think, and that's why I don't think I'd be singing anything Wilder, I think he should probably know how we feel about him. Absolutely. You know, have to open open the Sheffield United hashtag, and and despite us bringing points for debate here, we were are all fans of Chris Wilder, and I generally believe. I think before we've gone off again, I think we'd all agree that we wanted to see him given another shot. He uh, was the ultimate one to get it right last time. We were relegated from this division, the best placed man for the to get us back there at the first time of asking was dismissed. But I do think looking forward, it is is an interesting question to ask. How is that going to look? You open up the betting odds and you see people like Michael Appleton, it can't help but feel a little bit...
1: It'll not be anybody that's been mentioned.
0: Yeah, that, I mean that'll be that,
3: that'll be agents just <coughs> sticking their client's name in there, won't it? And, and bookies. Mm. That's just based on, you know, if I if I you know, if you suddenly walked into a bookies and put five hundred quid on Phil to bit next to United Manager, his odds would change immediately. Yeah. I mean,
0: well, is anyone taking bets? Any, any thoughts? <laughs> would, you all, would you have us all it would you have like us back room staff Phil?
1: Oh, I'd have to get rid of Alan Hillam. Uh, uh, Press rich first, wouldn't I? They? They're still yeah. there.
0: Yeah, so it would be your sister now, wouldn't we'll
1: I've known Dan longest. He's got the loudest voice.
0: Has he? <laughs> oh, I
2: don't know. Actually, maybe not. <laughs> he's got. He's got the uh, most aggressive, animated persona. <laughs>
0: there you go. He <laughs> can be the motivator. Would, be a, a point, it? would me and Ian be up in the stands like with us? Hands cupped over his mouth having conversations, writing everything down. Is that what we do? Yeah, you...
3: there with the earpiece on? Yeah.
0: Or, or get Ian jogging around doing pre-match warm-up. I am gonna say
3: is... I've been running with Ian the last few weeks, he can be fitness coach. So is Ian Waterboy? <laughs> <laughs> I'll
0: be I'm, phys- going I'm going down I'm going down the pecky order. I'll be cleaning out the showers soon. I'll be I'll be physio and I'll run on much quicker than Wednesday physio. But like in um in all seriousness, like it, for me, something struck hope today, uh, before it came on, after I'd had my tea, I've a little nosy on Twitter. When someone like Lee Bowie goes to Birmingham and I, compared to the names you've been linked with, you actually see him as a reasonable up and coming manager that wouldn't have been horrendous. I'd have him on, I'd have him over Appleton and all them after the like magic he did at Charlton. But they got them up first time. I know they end up getting relegated, but they don't have a pot to piss in, did they? But it's it's going to be very interesting. And if we do go down, which it looks like we will, the the sort of director of football role with you know Bain. I was going to say if we do go down, we're down, John. Yeah. I was the first one to say we would go down. I know we're down, right? uh, But in all seriousness, if we go down, that you never know. I think that's the only hope of actually being top of the championship this time next year, is, is to bring in a number of players who we haven't heard of, you know, unearth we'll the 25 goal of season striker or a winger. But what is interesting looking forward about the, the squad, with the players that are leaving, we've got a very tactically rigid squad. So in order to come in and play any form of style that has width in the top end of the pitch... You're potentially looking in at bringing three players in there. It's it's, it's quite an undertaking for somebody. We, we talked the other week
2: and on, on, uh, might have been on the last pod. And and I was saying I wasn't sure if we'd now got the academies and everything else. But So I read something this week saying that all the that, that United World thing and through the academies, he's now trying to play that same way. So again, it's not just there's a there's a shift again. If that's true, and I have to I don't see our academy game, so I can't comment on the the lineup or the formation, but. There's, there's a shift there again and it's about having that way of playing that permeates throughout.
1: There was a goal that the under-23 scored a couple of, uh, I think it might have been last week. Yeah. Uh, it could have just been our first team and it's pomp. Probably like last season when we were playing and um, nutmegging players to, to O'Connell and the overlapping centre-back, everything about it just looked like us at our best under Wilder. So mm. there, is, there must be a bit of that. As for the As for the other teams in the United World banner that's part of the thing that people have got the hate on uh, the Prince about as well by the way the mm-hmm. fact that he seems to be prioritising clubs other, in other areas of the world than us who the whole project should be for um, but as for how they play surely it's got to be horses for courses to degree hasn't it I don't yeah. know Yeah,
2: but you bring players through I mean I often thought you're binding to Belgium at one point you're binding to Belgium and France to bring players in by Africa now that that may not be the route that's possible anymore in the, in the in the new world, but you know that 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 had some merit in it. It had more merit in it than than McCabe's plan for for world domination. But um, can I ask a question then? In light of all this kind of, you know, who's going to come in? What did you make of the Tyndall situation?
1: I, I, I don't want. I don't. <laughs> I kind of wish I hadn't heard Blades Pod today because Ben called it exactly as I saw it, that he's clearly uh, Bettis's mate and Bettis has just called his mate and said, we need some help, can you come and help me? And I don't think there's any more to it than that. I don't think there's any preconceived plan to get him into the club deliberately to out anybody. I don't think he's going to be there. You don't there. think
3: it's a precursor to bringing Eddie Howe in at the end of the season? Oh, wow. Yeah, Warnock and Blackwell fell out, didn't they? People, yeah, I suppose.
1: I suppose there is
3: that. But I think, I think for him coming in now, the way that he has
1: is very much a, a short-term thing. Of Betty's phoning his mate up and saying, "Can you come and help us with something for a bit?"
3: I, mean, I, a- I, w- I would imagine that Alan Nil will be gone possibly by the ne- by the time we record our, ne- our next pod. If we plan on doing a pod this time next week, I- I'd be surprised if he's here for much longer. So that that, that would make. That would make sense you know you lose a coach you bring a coach in you bring him in so you've got a bit of an overlap Because I just I can't see Nilly staying without Wilder can you really they, they if, be, you, would
2: Nilly, if you were Nilly you'd hang around as long as you can so if United aren't offering him a payoff and they were sitting tight waiting for him to follow Wilder to wherever Wilder goes next if I was Alan Nil, I wouldn't be going anywhere
1: no yeah no you can't blame him the, the only flip side to that is Nil lives in Sheffield how old is he now? I don't know. He's older than Wilder, isn't he? Yeah. Um uh, I don't know. Could would could he want to just stay closer to home now? It, the the rumour of Wilder getting Celtic jobs a long way. Yeah.
3: On on the on, on that subject, segueing slightly off in terms of Wilder's next job. Has United's performance this season this whole situation and how he's been over the last three or four months kind of damaged his, his, his standing within the game. Because this time last year, he was probably the hottest coach in the country. And we were... this If we'd have had this pod this time, if we could go back in time and say, in, in 12 months' time, Chris Wilder will have left, we would have all said, oh, he's bound to have be been poached. He's been poached by whoever it is, Everton, blah, blah, blah. You would have never thought that it would have been sacked in such kind of... A, oh, sorry, left in such acrimonious circumstances. So, will the chairman now be looking at him thinking, he do not fit what we want to do because we've got a director of football who wants to be too heavily involved. He's a bit kind of, you know, he's a bit irascible in the press. How does that affected his standing, do you think?
0: I think he'd still get a decent job because plenty of worse I- managers still get employed all the time. I know, I know that sounds ridiculous, but a lot of managers that that make more consistent book-ups than Wilder seem to not go without work. I'm talking about your usual merry-go-round of your Allardyces, Pardues, Bruces, people like that. Um, I'd say Wilder's stock's still higher than that, and I'd say yeah, they're,
3: they're almost just like jobbing managers,
0: aren't they? But that surely. They, they might be, down, but like, surely someone will take a risk on somebody who has done what Mild has done with United. So, for example, Palace. If the Palace rumour that's knocking about and Roy goes upstairs in some capacity, you know, that goes against the director of football. And, and that's the point.
3: If he goes into a club that's either got a director of football or wants to install a director of football, the first question the chairman's going to say is, it's well known that you left Sheffield United because you didn't want to work under a director of football. What's changed? Why did you... Why Did you risk your dream job and not work under a director of football and why are you suddenly happy to work under one here? It's that sort of thing. That's they're, they're going to be questions that the chairman are going to ask. And the first time the chairman says, No, you can't have 10, 20, 30 million for this player, is he going to be starting to get you know pelters in, in press conferences? It's I'm not saying he won't, but I'm just wondering whether it'll make chairman. It'll, it'll definitely make him think. Yeah,
1: I mean, you, you talk about Palace Simon Jordan this week, albeit on Talksport, has been quite damning of Wilder in the way that. Yeah. He's been. Um, there could be something in the fact that there's a relationship there with the Prince, possibly. But, um, are other chairman going to look at that in the same same light that my manager would not talk about me like that because I wouldn't let him. Add to the fact that we're going down as one of the worst Premier League teams in history. The the, def, is, the, the question was, has his stock diminished? Yeah, it has. I don't yeah. think you can argue against it. It can't
3: not, have, can it?
0: No, I, I think it has. But I also think that, you know, I do think he, he will be able to... I don't, I don't see him rocking up at somewhere. Let me tell you. You know, I don't see him going to like Bristol City. I can see you. if he is in the championship, it will be a top end job. Um, and if it is in the Premier League, it might be Celtic, it might be Palace. I don't I don't see him going and managing abroad, certainly.
3: I but can might... see him at West Brom. I can see him at West Brom next season. If rumors are, you know, believed he,
2: he, he was offered that West Brom job before. So they obviously weren't put off by what they'd seen up to whatever it was, a month and a half ago. Yeah,
3: that's not that long Froome ago either, it. is it?
1: we've talked about the relationship being not necessarily great for a while there's been other clubs sniffing around him that we were dismissive of for quite a while there must have been a reason why they'd got wind of there's a chance we could get this manager there must have been more to it at that time someone yeah. they were in league one and we were doing well in the championship game yeah, yeah yeah west brom this season rumored i just i don't know it makes you wonder if this has been bubbling under for a while doesn't it it just adds more weight to it. Yeah. I, I said about it before Christmas that I thought he'd walk to, to save his own reputation. And the the fact he's... We'll never know who's pushed the button, whether he's done it or whether the prince has done it or whether it is genuinely mutual. But the fact that it's gone on this long, it, it has affected his reputation, and it's sad that it has. I'm just glad that it hasn't affected his... Standing amongst United fans for the most part, because ninety nine point nine percent of your Blades still love him, as as we all do.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, and then in terms of who who could be United's manager, I just think I don't think it's even worth speculating about that much too much. I know I broached the, the the a while ago when I mentioned about value and people like that, but I generally think we're going to be fishing probably in a very different pond. So we have been done before. We might end up having a manager who has a translator. Also, these are things that could happen to us that we've never had as a a fan base before. Like, we've never had a foreign head coach. And for for a, a big English side, that's really uncommon. Like, it really, like, you know, I'm trying to think of a club the size of United who's never had a foreign manager
2: That's a good question. It's a really good question. Yeah. They always be
0: the weird. <laughs> <laughs> Marlon, yeah. can you come and do a job Begara, as Does
1: That count. <laughs> What's up? We had Danny Bagara for a bit. Does that count?
0: Oh yeah. Okay, so. yeah. yeah. For a bit,
1: were not it?
0: But yeah. There we go. Like, and that in itself, you know, I think. When we spoke to some of the players on here, um, ones we've had on, they talk about that sort of connection to the working man of Sheffield that is really important. And I, I think it's fair to say, whoever comes in, it will be a very big. There'll be a big departure from Wilder. Not necessarily in style on the pitch, we don't know that yet. But whatever character it comes in, especially if it's somebody from like Belgium, Holland, it'll be it'll be really different it will be a really different culture in the club. Um, and and it goes back to your point, Ian, it's all right having your fingertips on everything. But if anyone who's ever gone into a new role in a semi-managerial position and trying to figure out, to work with people, the phrase so-and-so didn't do it this way. Yeah. It's very all hard the more,
2: to- all, all the more reason why we've got to get to a position where we we're grateful, we appreciate what's gone... But get behind whoever comes in because they're going
0: to need us because as well to touch on something before this sort of like Prince Prince Abdullah out and all this sort of like these movements that we got asked to get behind a little bit the other day by a tweet and if those people believe that fill your boots good luck to you but what's the alternative Right. Wilders not going to come like riding back into town with his band of merry men with a sack of a hundred million pounds to to launch an assault on getting promoted back to the Premier League. You know what I mean? It, it, it's not the what's the alternative to what we have. So we have to remember that we're Sheffield United supporters first and foremost, and get behind them. Like Dan says, people have Sheffield United tattoos. We don't have Chris Wilder tattoos. We don't have. We support Sheffield United. We don't support Chris Wilder, FC, who supports Sheffield United, FC. And I think people need to remember that it's the club that they love. And yes, Wilder did make them fall in love with it again, potentially a lot more than they had done for a while, but it's the club that's ultimately the most important thing.
3: I believe today that, which seemed like quite apt, um, Cookie Monster from Sesame Street has tweeted today, me no cry because cookie is finished, me smile because cookie happened. And I think that just kind of sums up how we should all feel.
0: I mean, I like cookies as well, Dan, and I always think back to how good they were. It's been, lads, it's been good to talk about it. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. I've been dreading it most of the afternoon. To be honest, I text you all about, about half six to say, I think we all feel a bit the same. But yeah, whatever the future holds, we'll be supporting United because that's what we do. And um, we'll be back maybe next week, but in the not too distant future. To Rather than talk about conspiracies or theories about what has maybe gone off and how we've ended up here, to actually talk about what happened over the last four and a half, five years. And relives. Relive some of those good times we had when Chris Wilder were the manager and have a, a bit of a look back. We just didn't seem right to do that tonight. So no, I as that, always I that's
3: for a separate night, like you said, when the dust settled and the kind of raw emotions come out
0: of it. So there's a game coming up soon, which we might talk about, but the one on Sunday was pretty dreadful. But Dan's available, as you know, for media appearances now. You charge a nominal. Dan, is it a nominal? It's a nominal fee, isn't it? But it's nothing. It's not nothing. bad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we have to send Dan out to talk to the radio and the yeah uh, and the TV. Notice I said and the TV, not just the radio. There, but it. We really appreciate the listeners, and we'll try to do it. We'll try to keep the faith. You should too. All the blades. All the blades. Hold the lights. I've changed the Murray by the way, so if anybody wants to buy me Marie, right. well I'll take Peroni as well.